We've been talking about gardening. We're going to be talking about gardening and growing things for the next few weeks. This morning, I want to talk about dirt. Not the kind you see on the internet. Not gossip. Not the stuff that goes on behind closed doors. I want to talk about real dirt that you can feel with your hands and that makes things grow. Experienced gardeners and experienced farmers know that dirt, good dirt, is essential to helping things grow. And the people in Jesus' day got this because they were from an agrarian society, right? You had to grow. A lot of them were subsistence farmers. You had to, whatever you grew, you ate. So it was kind of a life and death thing to have good dirt there. Now, in a moment, we're going to be turning to new technology, Elam Chapel, the red things in the pew in front of you, the Bible, page 744. I'll give you a head start. Seven, page 744, also known as Matthew chapter 13. Now, I'll give you a little bit of background before we get into the scripture. Up to this point, uh, just before this point, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus has been proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the good news about himself and saying, hey, I'm God, and getting all kinds of opposition because of it. He gets into trouble um, in chapter 12 because he and his disciples are wandering through a wheat field uh, traveling on the Sabbath. Now, you know, on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do any work as a good Jew. They were getting a little hungry, stomachs growling, so they just snapped off a couple of heads of the grain and the wheat, and they, my dad taught me how to do this. You just do like this, and the chaff blows away, and you're left with the kernels of wheat, and it's kind of a tasty snack. And it was fast food before fast food was invented, so they're going through the fields and doing this, and out of nowhere pops the local Taliban, all of the Pharisees, saying, You shouldn't do that. You're working on the Sabbath by doing this. This is working on the Sabbath. Then Jesus later on heals a man on the Sabbath and gets in trouble for that because that's doing work. Ah. And he continues on just explaining who he is and people, ironically enough, are asking him also for a miraculous sign to show that he's God even though he's healing people and doing all kinds of things. He, he sets people free from evil demonic spirits, and he's accused himself of being filled with the devil. All these things are happening. And then his family shows up out of concern, I suppose, and, and that doesn't go well. And all these things are going on. He's encountering all this opposition. So from then on, he starts preaching in stories and parables. Now, a parable is a story about a regular, everyday life thing that has serious spiritual implications, okay? It's God's way of sneaking up on us with the truth. Because sometimes people are more open to listening to a story. A good story draws you in, right? That's why I like the Fringe Festival. A good story draws you in. Man, okay, I told you to go see Padre X, right? It'll draw you in, that kind of thing. Blink's Garden, apparently, is a parable for kids that draws people in. And it makes us, invites us into the story and makes us open to truth. And all of a sudden, God's truth is like, ah, 
gotcha. And you go, and if you had told, walked up to someone and said, you know, your life's really offensive to God. You really need to make some changes. How would you react? Thank you so much for sharing. You've changed my life. No, you, you just have to restrain yourself from exercising the right fist of thank you very much. You wouldn't be receptive. But if someone tells you that story in a parable, that you kind of draw yourself in and it opens you up and the Holy Spirit then has a chance to speak to you. That's why Jesus changed his tactics. So we'll have a look at Matthew chapter 13 on page 744. Did I get the right page in the Bible? With me? Okay. Let's start at the beginning of chapter 13. So all these things have happened, dramatic things have happened in chapter 12. And later that same day, Jesus left the house where he was staying and sat beside the lake. Large crowds soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. There he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore, and he told them many stories such as this one. There was such a big crowd at the side of the lake that Jesus thought, aha, he borrowed one of the boats from his friends, his fishermen contacts, and he sits just offshore in the boat so people can crowd around. And with the natural acoustics of the lake, you know how sound carries over water? It's just a natural amphitheater, and people can hear him better. Plus, he's not being pushed into the water by the crowd, which would be a little unsettling if you're trying to communicate God's truth. So he's teaching, and he starts off with this particular story. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. Now, let's stop right there. No seed drill. John Deere wasn't born yet. So how is this man sowing seeds? A big bag, probably slung over his shoulder, and he was doing this, right? Practice the action. You know, you know the feel? You ever done that? Anybody ever done that? I do that with grass seed, and sometimes it grows. Sometimes other things grow, so I can say I make things grow either way. But that's, that was the action, okay? So as the farmer, just imagine doing that in a field. Use your imagination. Where is the seed landing? Farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. You can almost hear the, hear the seeds land on the footpath, kind of like a clatter, right? It's like, ooh. Whenever that happens, I tend to, or on the sidewalk, I tend to brush them off into the grass in hopes that they'll germinate, right? There's not much hope there following on the, on the hardened path. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as been planted. Now here's the punchline. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. As disciples saying, uh, understand what? And maybe some of us are thinking the same thing today, and that's okay, because it's a parable, right? So his disciples come up and say, why do you use parables when you teach to people? And he explains to them, 
You're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That's why I use these parables. And listen again closely. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. When we talk about spiritual soil testing, it's the title of the sermon, it's all about spiritual receptivity. How receptive are we to the news of the kingdom, to the good news about Jesus? And it's interesting that Jesus is saying the way, the reason he was telling stories, telling parables in this incident is that he had worked on the direct approach and it only hardened people. And when you talk, and when he was teaching in parables, ironically enough, he's telling this parable about soil testing to test the soil of the people that he was talking to. Do you get that? It's kind of a double irony in this story. He says, that's why I'm telling these stories. Because people who are hungry, people whose hearts are really open to God, they'll say, wow, what does that mean? I wonder what that means about me. I wonder what that means about God. And people who don't really want to hear. Have you ever, do you have some people in your lives, and when you go and talk to them, they almost say, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind is already made up. Do you have anybody like that in your life? Don't confuse me with the facts. My mind's already made up. So it's kind of difficult to enter into a dialogue with them, or it turns into a a one-sided diatribe, doesn't it? But Jesus is looking for people who are spiritually open and who want to wrestle with the truth and say, wow, what's in this story for me? What is God trying to say? What does it say about me? What does it say about God? What does it say about other people? And that's why Jesus is telling, communicating the truth in terms of a parable. He wants us to say today, what kind of soil am I? Where's my heart before God? I don't know what kind of soil you are. It's not my job to judge you. It's my job to throw out the seed today. That's what God wants me to do. That's what God wants us to do when we talk about Jesus, when we share Jesus. We don't know exactly what's going to happen when we throw out the seed. We, we might have an idea, and I think the Holy Spirit can prompt us in a certain situation. He can lead us into a situation. We can always be looking. That's what Pastor Justina has been encouraging us to do with this for the peg thing. I hope you're trying to do that and follow God's leading. I hear little stories trickling in that, that are encouraging. You ask someone if you can pray for them or you just pay it forward in the drive through line or do things, look for opportunities just to bless people and see what God might do. That's sowing seed. That's sowing gospel seed. Whether in er words or actions or both, uh, that's what you're doing. You're farming. You're cultivating. So, this is one of the few times in the Gospels where Jesus actually explains the parable. So we could go to the Coles Notes version or the cheat sheets a little further down in the passage and he explains to the disciples, here's what I was talking about, guys. So let's look a little further down the passage uh, as Jesus talks about this soil in uh, verse 19. Have you got it there? Verse 19. 
He's just finished explaining. Now, this is why I'm telling parables, because it opens eyes and people close their eyes. Parable telling, the way you respond to a parable, you're almost judging yourself if you shut down and shut the truth, shut out the truth against, against God. But if you open yourselves up to the Spirit and what He might be saying, that's God working in you to respond to Him. It's God's gracious way of, of drawing you into His family. So, Jesus says in verse 18, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. That seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. That's harsh. That's hard. Some people are not ready to hear, or they've will. They've already prejudged the truth about Jesus. They don't want to hear, out of whatever reason. Again, they're like my daughter's cat Mowgli. When you try to pick him up, he's like this, right? Resistant to anything to do with God for whatever reason, and they may have re- legitimate reasons for doing that. But ultimately, unless we surrender to God. We're not going to get any far. We're not going to get anywhere spiritually. And if we're hard and saying, "I don't need anything. I don't need anybody. Leave me alone," then God kindly, graciously, lovingly gives us what we want in life. And said, "Okay, you don't want to live life with me. That breaks my heart." And He allows us the freedom to do that. God will not force Himself upon any person, on any one person. So. That hardened path, that hard heart, the gospel lands there, and then your opportunity is gone. What do we do when we have a hard person in our life? What do we do? We pray. We pray and pray and pray and ask God to open their eyes, not in a manipulative way. We never pray stuff like, God, bring such bad times on them so that they have to respond. That's almost like a curse. You don't want to pray like that. But you pray, Lord, graciously, just open their eyes. Show me how to love this person. Open their eyes, Lord. Only you can do that and allow God to do his work. And we'll see. Just wait for God to soften those hearts. But that's how a hardened person responds to the gospel. So don't be surprised if you try to share the good news about Jesus. Sometimes it just lands on hard ground and it's not the right time. That doesn't mean you give up. It's just like, Okay, person's not ready to respond. So, moving on. There's other kinds of soil, though. Jesus says in verse 20, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. I've known people like this. Ah, yeah, Jesus is awesome. I'm going to follow him and I'm going to do this and that. You almost want to say, whoa, take a deep breath. That's great. I mean, you want to... You, you hate to say curb your enthusiasm to someone who's new and excited, but it, it, following Jesus is not a 100-meter dash, right? It's more like a marathon. So, and it's great to be excited, and that, that, that makes us excited too, but it's a long-term thing. And, and so what happens with some of these folks, they, they hear the message, they respond with joy, but if they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. And that's the problem with shallow soil. You might have soil where you get sprouts quickly, but if there's bedrock and hard stuff underneath, they don't have the root system 
They don't have the ability to put down a root system to withstand hard times, times of drought, times of persecution. Um, So since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. I was interesting. I was thinking about Marilyn this morning as I was talking to her sister and said, Marilyn, had a, she had a tough life. She had a hard time following Jesus. Now, the, her last few days, people were surrounding her and loving her, and that, that was very encouraging. That spoke to me. Like there were people with her all the time, loving her. And that spoke very powerfully to me. But in those in-between times, there were really hard times. Following Jesus is not a walk in the park. And if anybody tells you that, following Jesus and all your problems go away, they're not being honest with you. Okay? I've got to be careful about how I say this. But basically, they're they're, they're not telling you the truth. Because following Jesus is tough. It's really challenging. This dying to yourself thing is not for cowards. It's not for whims. But it's the only life that's really worth living. So you've got to count the cost before you follow Jesus and stick it out and find other faithful people to walk with you. And what happens when the seed is planted in a stony soil? People, they're kind of shallow. They're just shallow. They start off, they may be starters but not finishers. And Maybe part of the problem is in the church, often we don't do enough discipling with people when they first start following Jesus. We need people to, to, to come alongside other folks and saying, yeah, it's great that you're starting to follow Jesus. There's some challenges. Let's walk through. Let's let him take over your whole life, not just a little bit part of it. Part of the problem is our evangelism, the way we explain the gospel. Jesus is not the universal band-aid, which is going to make everything go away. He's not a life improvement course. He's not Anthony Robbins, the late-night TV guru who will make everything magic. It's not that at all. It's dying to yourself. It's surrendering to God so he can change you from the inside out and make you spiritually alive. You're filled with a life of purpose and challenge, and you know why life's all about, but often things can get harder, not easier. And thinking, Lord, what am I doing wrong? And going, nothing. You're doing great. This is normal. Most of my disciples are getting killed in other parts of the world, so you're doing all right. What? But it's not about earthly success necessarily. It's about change being changed from the inside out spiritually. So when people, when the gospel lands in shallow soil, we have to encourage people to keep walking with Jesus even in the midst of adversity, and they will understand that if you hang in there, eventually you'll see God working in your life. So, when people encounter problems or are persecuted, sometimes they bail on Jesus because the the roots have not gone deep enough. The next kind of soil is weedy soil, distracted hearts. In verse 22, Jesus says, Now the soil that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so that no fruit is produced. We live in a stressed-out society, and materialism is prevalent in North America. But do you know what? That was a problem back in Jesus' day. Dirt-poor 
agrarian society and people were crowded out by the, the gospel was being crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth. Wow, it's not just a 21st century problem in North America. It's a universal problem. But all these things can choke out the gospel in a person's life unless we sign everything in our life over to Jesus and keep signing it over. Because then we'll be conflicted, right? We'll be conflicted, we'll distracted hearts where we're looking for what really satisfies in life and instead of turning everything over to Jesus, it's, it's well, maybe a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Frankly, life can be very uncomfortable when you're trying to straddle a fence. I did that once as a young boy in a picket fence. It was not comfortable. So if you're feeling a little bit distracted or uncomfortable, it's, you may be because you have a foot on either side of the fence and in, it's not working for you. So what kind of soil are you? Now, Jesus says, the soil... The seed that fell in good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produced a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as been planted. It's amazing when you think about it, the biology of one seed, one little wheat seed falling into the ground, dying, yes, dying, germinating, a new life coming out of that seed. And when you think about the head of um, a grain of wheat, like a head, like how many grains are on that head? Has anyone ever counted? Got to be at least 20, maybe more. Imagine all that coming out of one little grain. And if you keep planting more seeds and it lands in good soil and it germinates and grows and comes to maturity, what a harvest you get. What a harvest. That's what God wants to produce in us. A life that is thriving, even in the midst of adversity. It may or may not do anything to improve your bank balance. I can't guarantee that. It may or may not do anything to influence your physical, emotional health. I can't guarantee that. Your spiritual health, I think, will thrive. And that will have a positive effect on everything else in your life. But I'm not teaching a prosperity gospel here when we talk about thriving. But if God is doing a good work in us, if he's changing us from the inside out, if that gospel seed, the seed of the kingdom, is planted in good soil that's receptive and says, okay, Jesus, whatever you want, whatever you want, I'll change. You're leading me to change the way I spend my time, change the way I spend my money, change my attitudes and my relationships, change my basic allegiance and life, change all those things and give them to you and make them better in the long run that I'm in on this. I'm in with you. And then, that's when the healthy, thriving harvest happens. That's when it happens, friends. You want to know what life's all about? 
It's about allowing the good seed of the gospel be planted and take root in your life and produce really good things. I love driving by orchards or seeing gardens and just just produce. One one place that Luann and I stayed at uh, in France when we were on, on holidays, we, we could look out our window and see this mark this market full of fruits and vegetables. It was amazing. And do you know when you go to buy a melon at a particular vendor, do you know what he would ask you? In French, I had to figure this out. But do would you like this melon for today and tomorrow or tomorrow? It's like, what do you mean? Well, this melon will be really good to eat today. But if you want a melon that you're going to eat tomorrow, pick this one because it's going to be just right for tomorrow. I'm going, what? I go to the superstore where these lovely high school age kids just say, oh, melons are over there in a the box. Good luck. But these, and you know, that's, that's what they're paid for, and they're doing the best they can, right? That's what I'm used to, okay? And then you cut open the melon and cross your fingers and hope for the best that it's edible. But these people know the fruit so well. Would you like the melon for today or one for tomorrow? Awesome. That's a harvest. That's, that's what growing's all about, okay? I'm getting a little hungry now as I'm, I can taste that melon in my mouth. God wants to produce that kind of fruit in our life. He wants to produce that kind of goodness in us. But we've got to decide, what kind of soil am I going to be? What kind of soil? Lord, will you make me receptive soil? Because we can't do this on our own. We need to pray for ourselves and pray for each other. Lord, I want to be good soil. I want to be receptive to the gospel. I don't want to be... I don't want to have a heart that's, that's shallow and, and starts with a bang and then fizzles out. I, I don't want a distracted, conflicted heart that gets choked out by all the worries of the world and other things like that. I certainly don't want a hard heart that is so hard that the gospel... There's some people that the gospel just seems to bounce off of, you know? So we've got to keep praying and ask the Lord to penetrate those hard hearts. I want to have a good heart that's receptive and open. So, what kind of soil are you? What kind of soil are we? Let's pray. Lord, I know you want to produce fruit of righteousness in our hearts. Fruit that's just luscious and ripe and beautiful. It looks good and it tastes good. Those are the kind of things that we want to to produce. And we know there's a lot of barriers to this. Some of us have hard hearts. Some of us are shallow and distracted. Uh, all of us can relate to this in some way. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to be good soil so that we can produce good fruit that you want to see in our lives. We pray this for this church, Father, that you would produce good fruit at Elam. We pray this confidently in the name of Jesus. Amen.